Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Uh, we're going to look one more time on the subject of protection and this Sunday we're looking at the family or group package or plan. Praise the Lord. And there is one and we're going to look at it in just a moment. Uh, three, now going on four months ago, um, I kept on, when I'd wake up in the morning, I'd hear the word protection. It would just resonate in my spirit. It didn't come out of my head, wasn't coming from the TV, wasn't coming from anything external. It was coming up in my heart. And I know that to be his voice. And so when he's speaking the word protection, it really got my attention. And it's something that he wants us to be very aware of. And he wants our hearts to be full of faith in his protection in us. And so over um, the last two times when we've spoken, Tony asked me uh, to speak on th three different times. Um, we've just taken it to protection. And uh, this will be the final one. And we've looked at that God is a God who protects and looked at the scriptures about it. And then the second one was the ways God protects because he protects in a number of ways, in a variety of ways that we looked at that last week. And this week we're going to look at the family package or the family plan for his protection. And we're going to um, trust him to help us to see what he wants us to see from his word. I know this, um, any kind of situation that arises in our life, what God wants us to learn to do is always go to his word. More than going to friends, going to this person, going to that person, going even to a professional in the field, before we do anything, we go to him, we go to the word. And so in the last, uh, the last two times we've talked on protection, we went to the word. And from the word got examples, from the word got uh, promises. And they're so wonderful and our hearts can be filled with that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful today for your written word. And we look at it expectantly and we are so thankful that the one who inspired the writing the holy spirit helps us to understand it and opens our eyes to to um to comprehend what you're trying to say and then he also helps us and he reminds us of how we can do the word because it's the doing of it that makes us blessed and so holy spirit we acknowledge your presence here we're so thankful that after this service is over, that you reside on every single believer, inside every single believer to help us, to remind us and to guide us and instruct us in how to put the word of God into practice in Jesus' precious name. If you can agree with that, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. So today, as we look at protection, we're going to look at three different areas, um, protection, for the family in the Bible again. So we're going to go to the Bible and look 
just at three examples uh, briefly of how uh, God made family protection. Number two is how to lock our shields together, that meaning our faith shields, how to lock them together. Number three is requirements that we need to be aware of uh, regarding the family group protection plan. So we need to know that from the word of God, and we're going to go straight away to Second or to First Chronicles, the 12th chapter, where we see some things about David's mighty men. I really, really like to read about David's mighty men. They were, they kind of, when you read after them, they almost read, it almost reads like supermen. They're amazing. Uh, they were amazing in their skill. Uh, we're just going to look at one verse of scripture. Uh, it says, some brave and experienced warriors from the tribe of Gad also defected to David while he was at the stronghold in the wilderness. Now, this is the part we want to see. They were expert in both shield and spear, as fierce as lions and as swift as deer on the mountains. Let's look back at that one area that is underlined. They were expert in both shield and spear. Uh, before we look into the three examples from the Bible, uh, when I got that word up in my heart, uh, now going on four months ago, I, I remembered something. You know, we're coming into, our church has been here for 12 years, or will be in January, and we've dedicated, I don't even know how many babies over the 12 years. Something that the Lord reminded me is over every single child, there was one verse, there could have been others as well, but there was one common verse that Tony prayed over every baby dedicated, and it was Isaiah 54, 17, and there were some times when he'd be praying that over child after child, after over baby after baby, I'd think there's a lot of other verses in the Bible that are, could be really good. But there was something that he felt directed in the Lord, I believe, to declare over every baby that has been dedicated here, Isaiah 54, verse 17, that no weapon formed against them will prosper. I love that. And so I believe that God has laid up uh, for us all in the scripture, and then even over these, I wanted to make mention of that, uh, that can be activated, and we'll see today how to do that. Let's look at the first uh, family protection that we're going to find, um, and that's in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, in verse 17, or 7, and this story is about Noah. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to fish for three days over the weekend. No. The first boat that was ever built was actually built for protection. And it was built for protection for a family. To save his family from the flood, he obeyed God 
who warned him about things that had never happened before. All the news can do is speculate and report on what has happened. God, who is our protector, has the ability to forewarn us so that we are protected before things happen, that we can be in the protection when things do happen. All right? This ark was a place of safety for anyone who wanted to come in. While Noah was building the boat for a hundred years, he was preaching and giving opportunity for people to decide to come in. Where we're going to look at the second opportunity or the second uh, example from the scripture, and it's in Exodus, the 12th chapter. And we'll start with verse 3. It says, Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a small goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. And then it goes on to explain that they were to slaughter the lamb and it takes back up in verse 7 where it says they are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and on the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Just a little bit ago, we had communion. Where communion started was in this story. And it was observed, first of all, not in a church, not in a synagogue. It was observed first in a house, in a home. And so a house was to be a safe place for family. Now let's look at the third one. When we, when we come into the land, this story is a story of Rahab. And before we start the verse, you remember that before the children of Israel uh, took Jericho by that amazing story of walking around it uh, for seven days and the first six, uh, just once around the seventh day, then seven times, and they shouted, and then the walls came down. Before that happened, um, Joshua was sent two spies in to spy out the land. And when they came there, they went into the house of a prostitute. And she hid them because the king of Jericho uh, was, had heard that there were two spies from the, from the Israelites, and he was trying to find them. And, and she hid them there. And so um, she struck up this deal. Because she said, we know that you're coming and all of Jericho is absolutely terrified because all of Jericho, Jericho knows that your God can deliver from anyone. Isn't that a, one rep, a, a great reputation for our God to have? And she said this, she said, when you come, I want you to save my family. So we pick up in verse 18. It says, when we come into the land, the two spies replied back to her, uh, 
We come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. They escaped from the city of Jericho out of the window of the, of, on the uh, city wall uh, by a scarlet rope. Of course, that scarlet rope for us is a picture again of the blood of Jesus. But notice who was saved. A family was saved. Salvation has always been directed to family. Individuals, yes. But God has always targeted family. Now notice what it, he goes on to say. One of these spies says this. And all your family members, your father, your mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be in, be here inside the house. This verse of scripture, this story goes on to say, the spy says, we won't be responsible for anyone who chooses not to come into the house. The invitation, the protection is for everyone. But God, who respects the human will, does not force people into his protection. He offers it to, to everyone, but he respects our will to choose it. And so let's go on to look at this. Again, a house, somebody's house, Rahab's house, was a safe place for her family any one of her family to come in. I think about, I think about uh, Abraham, the father of faith. When God first approached him and told him about his covenant that he was extending to Abraham, he said it's, it's for every family. God's purpose in his plan was for all the families of the earth. Let's just do something before we go any further. Just say, that means my family. You say, but you don't know my family. No, but God did. And he's a professional at dealing with hard cases. Praise the Lord. Think about Rahab's family. She was a harlot and maybe some of her family was in the same business or, you know, similar business. So protection goes to the family. Acts the 16th chapter, when Paul and Silas were, were broken out of prison by a divine earthquake that broke the prison open and freed everybody in the prison, who got saved was the jailer and his whole family. So that whole church started with family getting saved. Cornelius, the very first one who got to hear um, the gospel after, after Jesus raised from the dead, the gospel was pre presented. It was presented in a Gentile household. So now we're going to refer to what Paul was talking about in this family protection in his letters to the church, Paul's letters to the church. Um, he used examples, especially in Ephesians and in 2 Timothy, he referred to the Roman military. 
And it wasn't because he was wanting the church to be like Rome or something like that. He used what was around them. He used what was relative to them. And the, the, the people in Ephesus and, and Timothy, who he was writing to, they had seen Roman soldiers all their lives. And so he used this example because it made sense to them. And so it, not only that, but Paul, when he actually wrote the book of Ephesians, was in, in a, a prison, a Roman prison, and there were Roman guards there. If Paul, because Paul was not a whingy baby while he was in prison, he made good use of his time when he was in prison and actually wrote an epistle from that place. I imagine all of that time with these guards, he could have heard all kind of stories from their campaigns or what, what that soldier had really seen uh, here and there in different places. Paul, in listening to these things and being really well-versed of the kingdom of God and kingdom of God culture, he would have noticed if there were different elements that the, the military of Rome had used that made them exceptional, made them conquerors. And there are some things that Rome did in their military that enabled them to be invincible. And we're going to talk about some of that today. Uh, Ephesians 6 chapter gives a whole description of the armor of God, and the example is from uh, a Roman soldier's armor. We're not going to talk about any of the armor except for the shield, which we see from Ephesians 6 is a shield of what? You're right, a shield of faith. And so we're going to focus in on that. Now, what each soldier was uh, trained in was the ability to use a single shield with incredible efficiency. Just like the, the verse of scripture that we started with, David's mighty men, they were expert in shield and in spear. And so were the Roman soldiers. But the Roman soldier, uh, using the, the, this, the shield, being an example to us, what could be our potential in using the shield of faith? Well, you don't get expert in anything by just watching people on TV do that skill. You don't get it through osmosis. You get it through use. And so the reason the, the Roman soldier was proficient in the use of a single shield is because he used his shield. He practiced with his shield. He learned to move and to motivate with his shield. How would you and I, with the shield of faith, become proficient with our shield. We don't just have a picture of it or just have a verse of scripture about it. It is not just knowing the doctrine on the subject of faith. 
it is the actual use of our faith in God, our trust in God, that gets you the experience to become proficient in that area. But the potential of a single shield, somebody being expert with a single shield, I believe has been seen, but maybe not um, just across the board or generally. Let me give an example. Do you remember last week we were talking about one of the examples of protection was with, Saul, with Paul at, in, on a ship on his way to Rome where there was an unrelenting storm. And when he was spared, when there was divine protection for him, do you know that his shield and his use of knowing how to use his shield didn't just save him, it saved everyone on the ship. That's proficient use of a shield. Could we see that kind of proficiency as believers today, I believe yes, so. I believe it's the will of God that we do. Now, we want to look at a collective shield work because that's the family package. That's the group package. We want to look at that. Now, how we're, we're going to look at Rome's uh, formations to be able to get a picture of that. There was a formation, a military formation that they used. It was called testudo. Testudo actually is a Latin word for tortoise. And it is a shelter formed by overlapping oblong shields held by soldiers above their heads. All right, so that is what a testudo was. And you can start those pictures while I, while I talk about it a little bit. Um, Rome was not the first to develop this formation, this military formation. And uh, it was not unique to Rome. However, uh, Rome is the one that made it famous. And they're the ones that called it testudo. And so it is, was made most famous by Rome. And they became proficient in shield, uh, shield work in a collective way. I'm going to read a little bit more about this as those, as those pictures keep scrolling. They would raise their shields over their heads of all the others so that nothing but shields can be seen in every part of the phalanx alike, and all the men, by the density of the formation, are under shelter from missiles. Indeed, it is so marvelously strong that men can walk on it, and whenever they come to a narrow ravine, even horses and vehicles can be driven over it. Wow. Amazingly strong. In some of them, you know, the encyclopedias and different things that I read about this particular formation and shield work, it was also fireproof. And so you could see the potential is staggering. And they were invincible for their single shield work as well as this collective shield work. And so that is what we are looking at today. 
The Roman army was very organized and the soldiers were trained to do exactly what they were expected. The key figure or the key feature that gave the Roman an edge on other militaries was their strategy and formation training. They had to be trained to do that kind of formation and they went over it again and again and again because what this goes on to say, what I read in an in, um, encyclopedia, it says that the, the cooperation that soldiers were trained to show on the battlefield, not in the practice field, on the battlefield, uh, maximize the efficiency or the effectiveness of the legions. So they were able to respond to directives and they knew exactly what to do. Now, there were some militaries that they came up, some armies that they came uh, up against that were <laughs> incredible. And they were an invading army. Rome took territory. They enlarged their territory for years and years. They were an empire for 12, 1,200 years. And they kept taking more and more territory. And so you can imagine when these people uh, invaded somebody's own land, how passionate those people could be to defend their own land. And there were some battles against the Roman military uh, where Rome was defeated initially, but not finally. Because what I read also concerning these militaries that went up against Rome or held out against Rome is that passion did not compare to discipline on the battlefield. It would hold out for so long, but they had to be disciplined and obedient to commands. Um, Louise, if you could help me with those umbrellas. I'm going to just get some people. Um, uh, Mitch and Anna and Shannon and Lee, you know, I'll get you right here. Uh, if you guys could please come up. And then uh, Dylan and... Fiona and Anna, if you could come up and Charles, join them on your, join your family, yeah, pop up. Louise will give you an umbrella. We're going to just, uh, okay, um, yeah, come on up here. Yeah, and spread out across the, the whole, the whole, uh, uh, the, oh, yeah, <laughs> don't you love it? Okay, give him the pink one. Yeah, <laughs> woohoo! Okay, yeah, scoot over so you're spread out completely across here. All right. So what the Roman soldiers were trained in doing is that on by uh, scoot out clear over there, on command, on command as they would be marching, marching there'd be you know some distance between them as they would be marching along, marching along and they could march for great lengths, about 40 kilometers a day, carrying all their equipment. They were incredibly trained and developed. But on command, 
very rapidly they could change formation and get into this testudo formation. So on command, uh, if, if you guys could stay back right there, and then, do you have an umbrella? You don't have an umbrella. Somebody get an umbrella. Who has an umbrella? Somebody have an umbrella in your purse? We need one. You, you, you have to have an umbrella. Somebody got an umbrella. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. There's an umbrella. Praise God. This is your shield. Better have one. And so, so on command, there is a directive. You guys stay back. Anna and Anna, <laughs> come right in front of them. Come in front. Dylan, Shannon, in front. And, and come. In front, in front. Directly in front. That's it. Now, so they'd immediately get into this formation. Now, these umbrellas are their shields. Okay. <laughs> That'd be pretty scary, wouldn't it? Okay, but they're their shields, and uh, every, every soldier has one, but you can see it's not activated, and that's what we were really hammering on last week and the week before. You can have, uh, you can have a knowledge of the protection of God, but it needs to be activated by you actually putting your faith or your trust in God by saying of the Lord. He's your refuge and your fortress. So let's activate our shields. Activate them. Woo, isn't that glorious? And one is struggling with their activating. Okay, yes, indeed. Now, notice here, there is some space. There's some space happening. This will not help them at all. What they're going to have to do is lock their shields. And so the formation demands that there be no space. You have to, for the shield to work, a collective shield, there has to be, there has to be closeness between the people underneath. So now what we want to see is they were trained so that, uh, no matter who they were standing beside, no matter who they were in proximity to, oh, let me point out this one difference. Uh, there was also shields in front. They were completely encased in shields. It was impenetrable to anything as long as they kept their proximity. Oh, see, oh, good guys. Oh, well done. Well done. So, yeah, oh, well done. So, where it would lose its effectiveness is if, for instance, is if Anna got mad at Anna because they were talking about something and they just got ticked off at one another. And so Anna said, I refuse to, to, to stand by Anna. So you pop out. So here she is by herself. Now, by herself, she's easy picking. Oh, actually, I need you to keep that one up. <laughs> she's easy picking. 
She's got a single shield, but it is nowhere near as effective as a collective shield. But not only that, but she has left some holes. She has left a hole. And there is a place where things can enter. And so these guys were... Um, they were trained to help fill in the holes. So they help fill in the holes. Now, what we want to look at today is the necessity of staying together for this collective shield work. Could it have been back in those days that the, that the Roman soldiers were just all in such harmony. The Roman soldiers were such on the same page that they had actually joined a club because they were so on the same page. No. Roman soldiers were chosen from all the nations that they were invaded or that they had invaded and they were made to, to march together. And they come from different, different ethnic backgrounds, different cultures, different opinions. They came from different social uh, uh, backgrounds. There were so many different differences among them, and yet they were trained for the good of the whole. You lay aside your personal differences and stay together. So she realizes this, Thank the Lord. She wasn't killed before it happened. I'm just saying that because she's my daughter and I don't want her to be killed. So get over here. And she gets back in harmony with the whole lot. And, and uh, you have to, uh, they had to realize that where they may have had personal opinions and personal agendas in times past, that when they became Roman soldiers, they had to write and sign an agreement that all of that was laid down for the sake of Rome. Well, what is the greatest, the greatest thing? Is it, is it the empire of Rome? Well, back in those days, it may have seemed like it was, but I, Tony and I lived in Rome. It's ruins. You go and visit the ruins. It's not a glorious empire anymore. And so, what we can see from that is for this testudo, spiritual testudo to work, there is a cause that you and I as believers get to share, and it is not our personal agenda. It's not just our personal perspective. It is for the kingdom of God. And what we do have in common where, where the kingdom or where the empire of Rome, the empire of Rome was always advancing and taking more territory. If we do what the Bible teaches us to do, we will be doing the same. And we will be making inroads into the kingdom of darkness and taking more territory for the kingdom of God. That means more and more people getting born again. Praise the Lord. Okay, guys, you can go. Thanks so much. That helps us to get it. Uh, let's give them a hand. Now, uh, the first requirement that, that we get to see in the utilization of this collective shield is you've got to follow instructions. 
You got to follow instructions. If, if there was a directive from the commander to get into Testudo, everybody had to follow that command. It would not work if there were two or three people in the rank and said, I don't think we want to do it that way. I believe we ought to, I believe we ought to do this. The reason that Rome worked is because everyone followed direction. And it wasn't each other's direction. Underneath that shield, they weren't saying, what do you think I ought to do? I don't know. Well, those people used to do that. I, I think that a lot of people, well, I've heard that these people did that, and that, that nation did that, and that nation did that. No. The testudo wouldn't work unless everyone was listening to the commander and his direction. Let's look at John, the 14th chapter. In verse 14, it says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them. And look at this. And they follow me. Yeah. Don't say of yourself, I don't know God. I don't know his voice. Jesus said, you do know his voice. Maybe in these days, we just need to tune out some static of other people's voices, voices of the past, voices of other people. But what is Jesus Christ saying? Because he's leading in triumph. Let's look at another verse of scripture. In John, the 21st chapter, this is after Jesus had raised from the dead and he was talking to Peter, who had denied him three times, and he said, Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And so Jesus was telling Peter that he was in the end of his life going to be a martyr. Then Jesus told him, follow me. He'd also told him that in other earlier times of his life. But Jesus was telling and renewing him again at this point. He said, just follow me. Don't get stuck on your denial of me and that huge flub up that you made. Let it go and follow me. Then Peter asked Jesus, what about him? He was talking about John. What about him? <laughs> Look what Jesus said. Peter could have said, Jesus, what do you mean follow me? Tell me some things. You're saying to follow you. What does that look like? What does that mean? He could have been engaging with Jesus about that, and instead he's worried about John. What about him? What is he, why, is, why is he doing what he's doing? What are you, you going to do with him? Does that sound whiny, baby? It does a little bit, doesn't it? Look what Jesus said to him. Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. I love that. Jesus is love and kind, but he is also the captain of the Lord of hosts. And he said, you follow me. Collective protection, which is the most amazing and the most brilliant doesn't happen with us following the pack. 
Let's follow this. Let's follow. Well, I've heard that da 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 No, Jesus says, you follow me. And what we saw uh, last week in the different testimonies of protection is that there was direction given uh, to different people, and the direction isn't always the same. It is not our part to judge anyone else's direction. It's our part to follow Jesus. So, then we notice here, we notice here, we follow Jesus, and to do that, if you want to initiate or tune up your uh, ability to hear, talk to him. You talk to him, and it's an amazing thing how you start tuning in to him for him to talk to you and for you to hear what he is saying in these last days. And we're going to look at the last requirement, and we're going to look again at the military to do that. Put up the definition for banner or standard. It is a flag indicating the presence of a sovereign or public official, a flag, emblematic figure, or other object raised on a pole to indicate the rallying point of an army or fleet. Now put up that standard. This is the Roman standard. This would have been on a flagpole in all the different advances in military campaigns. And from the World History Encyclopedia, and you can keep that up there, it identified the Roman legion. So in other words, if they were to see this on a battlefield with a, with a, a military, with an army out there, they would know, oh, that's Rome. That's Rome. They would know by that and other things as well. But uh, let me read this to you. The standard was important as a rallying point, symbol of pride, and more practically as a mean of, listen to this, communication in battle. There's so many things that you don't need to know about God and the word unless you're in battle. And what those things are will save your life and the lives of your kids and your grandkids. So it is important. And we find those things out before. So in a, in the, the standard provided communication in battle. A trumpet blast would draw the attention of the troops to the standard, which would then direct which action should be taken in the field. Now, Song of Solomon 2 and verse 4 says, He brought me to his banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. You've got to be kidding. Schmaltzy waltzy. Put up, put up that banner of Rome again. Can't we have something noble like that? I mean, a magnificent eagle, and you're giving us love. Oh, that'll scare the enemy. Oh, that'll, that'll uh, wreak terror among them. Remember, we're not fighting with flesh and blood. Love is what terrifies demons. If you want to go for the revenge, if you want to go for the anger, if you want to go for the outburst, 
It'll impress some humans, but it will not make a ripple in the realm of the spirit. If you want to have effect and impact there, this love is our banner. So the second requirement is humility and love. Let me read a verse of scripture from 1 Peter. Now, Peter wrote this, you know, obviously before he was beheaded by Rome. He said in verse 7, the end of the world is coming soon. It was about a couple thousand years ago, and he looked like, oh, it was getting close, but it wasn't the end of the world. It was just, it was going to be the end of the Roman Empire. (laughs) But the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most importantly of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Why? Because we're at the end of the world. These are the essentials. Don't be looking for, you know, something else to scratch the itch in the soul. These are the essentials. Follow the commander-in-chief. Do what he says. Don't worry about other people and if they're doing the same. Don't judge if they're not doing the same as you. Leave it with the head of the church. You follow Jesus. Notice it says, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Last night I had a dream. I was telling Tony about it this morning when I woke up. In that dream, there was a prayer meeting. And there were about five of us there. And um, I got really distracted in the prayer meeting. And I was, there was other things I kind of wanted to do and some people I wanted to talk to. So I left the prayer meeting. And I was, you know, I, I, anyway, I won't go into that. But it was pointless. It was, like, really pointless. I thought, I'm going to go back to that prayer meeting. When I went back to the prayer meeting, I had to step over people to try to find a place to get down to pray. There were so many people praying. Where it comes to prayer, I've never been, I think, begging or telling or commissioning and making. We're not about duty in this area. It loses its value if it's not from the heart. But I'm telling you, when the world is shaking, people start praying. And in that dream, I saw, I saw Lidio Perello. In that dream, he was laying on the floor amongst, you know, the, everybody was around and praying. He was the pastor of the church where we served in Sicily. Let's, let's look at what else Peter said. Chapter 5 and verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you, that includes leaders, parents, grandparents, everybody, all of you dress yourself in humility unless you've been saved for over 40 years and then you can be as cocky as you please and tell everyone what to do and condescend and give out all kind of judgment to everybody. No. He said, all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. 
well, I think, well, the way I see it, you're going to have to lose that for that collective protection. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And Andrew was singing that really by the Holy Spirit today, and part of our worries and cares are about the aggravating people that we're marching with. Or if they're marching, and no, 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 cast that care over on the Lord. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, which is not one another. He says who it is, and it's the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And if you're rogue, if you break away from company, like Anna demonstrated, you are so lion bait. Stay. Stay in fellowship, not just with the Lord, but with one another. Be strong in faith. Remember that your family uses this of not just your, your um, family of mom, dad, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, you know, that. It includes that, but the family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. And I'm telling you what, we're seeing all over the world shaking happening in nations all over the world. If you guys can come. There's other things that we can look at. It would help you to read 1 John. I'm not talking about a verse. Read the whole book. It's not long. The second book, the third book, about love. To walk in love is to walk in God. And we've already seen God is our protection. God himself is our protection. So we walk in love. I'd love to encourage you, talk to your Lord. Exercise your ability to not bolt and twitch at diversity. What do I mean? People who believe different, people who have different opinion, but you know they believe Jesus is Lord. Let's exercise discipline to not rubbish people that are different. We're going to be called to walk with people that are different age than us. Are you okay to walk with people of different ages, from different nations, from different, from different socio backgrounds? Are, you, are we comfortable? Are we able to find Jesus in each other? Not just what somebody's thinking that could be different and push us away. Then look for the treasure in them. And he is the treasure. 
And let's hang on to one another. Let's refuse to break rank. The devil is counting on us to do what he has been successful in doing for years. And that's breaking apart because we don't see things the same. He's counting on the church to leave off from fighting him with their swords and beheading one another. And you know what? Just because we know it's the devil and it's his trick, let's refuse to do it. Let's use our prayer. Let's use our faith to even protect one another. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you this week. Don't lean away from diversity and like, oh, I don't like that. Let's start leaning in. We love, we love connection. And I'm not, I'm talking about our church family, your personal family, which needs, I believe over this holiday time to just really, really strengthen. And if we'll follow him, we can strengthen those family connections but our church family, and then the wider body of believers, and then that all over the world. But in, in this church family, I believe God gave us a directive. He said, put at a very high priority connection, connection with him and connection with one another. We have it in many different ways, sometimes through small groups and notes of sermons or are there in all small groups and you can talk about it and ask questions. Also connecting with people to work with in different teams. All, all of, grab a lunch, have a, have a tea with people. Let us lean in with connection because I believe the head of the church is directing it. Let's lean in. But I like my space. I like my time. So do I. Believe it or not, I'm an introvert. I love to be alone. When I was quarantined for two weeks, when I came back in 2020, I loved it. I know I'm weird, but I liked it a lot. But these aren't the days for lack of connection, lean in. If God puts somebody on your heart, don't ignore it. Call them. Text them. Get with them. We're scooting in. We were all marching in a line, and I believe the head of the church is called for, come on, let's, let's fill in the space. Let's have some testudo. <laughs> Sounds like a dish of tortoise stew or something. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let me, can I just pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone that's here and those that have joined online or will join online. And oh, what a blessing it is to know that we are following the triumphant Jesus. He defeated the worst enemy of all, death, hell, the grave. We've called him Lord. 
We march under his banner that's love. And love won't fail. And it does cover a multitude of sins. Father, we're believing to see amazing, glorious things as a result of locking our faith shields. Jesus' name. Father, if there's someone listening that Jesus is not their Lord, and unless they have acknowledged and desired that, Jesus would never force his Lordship on someone. But Father, I give the invitation today for anyone who wants Jesus' Lordship in their life, and we're praying a prayer today for them to do so. Pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, go ahead in here. Let's help anybody and pray along. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me and coming for me when you sent Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for my sins, so that I could come to God I could be in God's family. Thank you so much. I receive what you did on the cross. I believe God raised you from the dead. And I call you Lord. In Jesus' name. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.